apparently it's just that all the news about they're going to be the worst storm ever was just focused on England because we live in an Anglo-centric society. Well, I heard it was bad in Wales too, so... Yeah. <laughs> Left England. <laughs> Sorry, Wales. All our Welsh <sighs> listeners are cancelling you now. Yeah, next week's guest is going to come we'll, on with a knife. We'll never have a Welsh person ever again on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm eating my cereal as I'm saying this. <laughs> This is our, this is our uh, pre-podcast talk where we don't want to talk about a book that we have nothing to say about. Listeners, welcome to Tan 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 Tan. And um, in a little bit of a celebration, we just wanted to gather around every like Tintin villain that we could remember, bring them all together, make a big cake. The tastes like absolutely fucking nothing. Someone like <laughs> everyone was here. All the most memorable Tintin villains. Remember Alan? <laughs> He's here. Unfortunately, I do remember Alan because Alan's my dad's name. Um, so I made a note of that one. Yeah. Alan is here. Alcazar is here. Not that arguably he's not a Tintin villain, but also kind of is a Tintin villain. Alcazar is the most shady Tintin character. Like, I um, I enjoy that about him. Or the most, like, yeah. he's neither a villain nor a friend, basically. Uh, but he still like, needs to get his he's big He's their book. friend, but he's also, like, a military dictator. Yeah. And they, they kind of have to excuse that about him. He's the, he's the Roy Mustang of yeah. Tintin. Yeah. <laughs> He really is. I think we've said this before, actually. I, I, I think we might have, yeah. Um, there's the, there's is the Jewish guy from Shooting Star the Mister Antisemitism here? No. Was that a different guy? There was a different guy with a big Jesus nose. This is Rastapopoulos, who doesn't have a, who has a Greek name, so he just coincides it. I thought Rastapopoulos was dead. Jesus. No, well, he's he's the Moriarty of. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Um, of Tintin. I think it was like, oh, he he was blown up, but he somehow escaped. Oh, okay. I don't remember what happened to him. Yeah. Rest of the populace is like, has like this, uh, this image of being the big bad of Tintin just because he appears like numerically in the most books or, or he's always the one who's like pulling the strings. But like Does so far, he? I don't know shit about him. Unless he appears in every single rest of the books, he has no relevance to the story. Yeah, this is his, this is his comeback. And I think he's going to mm. appear in like, at least two others. But there's uh, only like towards, four left. Towards the end, uh, Ajay really gets enamored with him. I remember that. Okay, okay. Um, who else is here? The Bubble Air from uh, Land of Black Gold is here. Bubble Air is here. The like German beard guy is here. I forgot his name. Uh, Müller. Müller is here. Yeah. Um, who's the, there's a funny guy in a Satan suit that they call Mister Gorgonzola, and I have no idea who this is. I think it turns out to be Rastapopoulos at the end, right? Oh, right, okay. I just thought it was weird that the guy <laughs> was like, oh, Tintin and Haddock, they can never know my name, Mr. Gorgonzola. And I'm like, why? No one knows who that is. What? Yeah, I don't remember having heard about the Gorgonzola again uh, before, but uh, in this one they treat him like... Yeah, they're like, we know that guy. Do we? Um. Uh, oh, and also the main villain... Of the whole Tintin series is back, um, which is of course racism. <laughs> I'm Sarah, your host. I'm Janos. I was just trying to. We're talking about the Red Sea Sharks, by the way. Uh, original title, French title is Coke en Stock. I like. I guess. What the fuck does stock mean? I think it just means because the German title I remember is Coke on board, which means okay, Coke yeah. on board. Um, no, actually, it says cola on board, so that means, like, coal, I guess. Okay. I don't know why I remember it as being cokes. Like, because you, you don't call cocaine cola, you do call cocaine cokes. Uh, so I just remembered it like that. Well, I thought that the coke in this referred to the, um, the like, the, 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 yeah. the products that you and burn, the, the stuff yeah. that you burn to make steel or whatever. Yeah, that's why it's, um, again... This is a. This has some racism in it, so you know, beware. 
But yeah, yeah. it's like code word for because here's the here's the story on this, right? It's ripped from the headlines. It says um, Azure was inspired uh, after reading a magazine article detailing the continued existence of the slave trade within the Arab world, in which it was claimed that African pilgrims headed to Mecca were being enslaved during the journey. Um, and Azure included a reference to this slave trade in the story's original French title "Coke on Stock," meaning "Coke on board." which referred to the slave smuggler's use of coke as a code word for the enslaved people. I assume, if I understand this right, like this was also in this article, right? Like he, he read somewhere that they're using that as a code word. Uh-huh. So yeah, that happens in this book. Um, yeah, Hergé says slavery is bad. Great. He, he says slavery is bad and we, we forget about all the racism he has done before. Yeah, and then he goes, wow, funny black people. <laughs> There's like... So I don't have any notes about the plot because it was just kind of overwhelming and I really didn't have the energy. Um, it just feels like, did I say it feels like him being an autopilot? Like he just, he just does like, he just does things, but it doesn't feel at any point like he cares about it. it uh, honestly? There's no, the art is like perfectly fine, but at no point there's like something that feels breathtaking in the way that like the pre- pre- all of the previous like five or six books had like moments that were like yeah this looks amazing this one yeah it like it feels like i'm reliving cigars of the pharaoh yeah not just because rastopopolis is here it's just because of the way it like you turn a page and it's like oh right now this is happening i guess fine i mean one thing that's that it's reminding me of is like remember how in doctor who uh Uh before steven moffat got his grubby hands on it uh in in, in, in the Russell T. Davis years, like, every season ended with an episode where all the... Where it had Daleks and Cybermen and the fucking gloop monsters. Uh, yeah! And fucking yeah. everything. And it was... And fucking uh, Captain Jack was back and all the Doctor's previous companions are all back. And it was always, like... It had, like, this feeling feeling that it should be a celebration or it should be, like such a great reunion episode but it was always like overcooked and flavorless yeah, yeah. in a way like this is the same thing except with added racism uh, um i don't want to get sort of through it because there's some like honestly listeners you don't really need to know what the plot of this book is just like there's political intrigue there's espionage stuff there's just think of all the best things that herge does like racism and um but also funny Abdullah's here. Like all the sort of all of Hergé's <laughs> highlights are just crammed into this book, and it, you really don't really need to actually taste the soup. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just like a story of like an international espionage that ends up being, as we said, like a cover for uh, slave trade. It has all the villains, um, and that's it. Yeah. And at the end, they uh, at the end there's a big page where all the newspaper articles say shit like. Slave trade real. Holy shit. Captain Ellen picked up by Danish cargo vessel. Yeah. Where did Sheik Babelair get his warplane? And it turns out that, you know, it just, everything is recovered. But it's like, as I said, it's so overcooked, right? Like, it, this yeah. is the re- least comprehensive. Like, I wouldn't be able to tell you what exactly the political intrigue is. I want to, I want to tell you about um, General Alcazar. Because that's, he's at the start of this book. They, yeah. like, bump into him and... There's some stuff happens and it figures out that he's like buying arms and weapons, presumably because of something that's going to happen later in this book. Nope, doesn't happen later in this book. Maybe it'll come up later. But mostly what I want to talk about General Alcazar is the little drawing that Tintin does of him at the top of page three. Yes. Because <laughs> it turns out Tintin is really good at drawing. <laughs> Tintin is a boy. And draws like a perfect um, side on, what you call it, profile, profile of General yeah. Alcazar. It's kind of funny that they bump into him because uh, they watch a they watch a western and the lead actor looks like uh, Kazar, mm-hmm. and then Hedrick's like, "There's no such thing as coincidences." For example, take General Kazar, whom you just mentioned. Uh, he completely vanished from our lives years ago. So, wouldn't it be crazy if we bumped into him right now? And then he bumps into him right now. Pretty good stuff. That's pretty funny. And then the whole book is just that. Like, yeah, they just bump into everyone. It is. There's some bits about how Alcazar keeps, like, he tells them he stays at the Hotel Bristol, so at Robin's place. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but this was a lie. <laughs> this turns out to be a lie. Uh, he's not there. Tintin draws his incredible portrait, uh, 
And then the hotel receptionist says, mm, I have never seen a man that looks like this. Yeah, which is clearly true because the portrait is so good. Yeah. Um, oh, he, they find his wallet and they learn about some information that he has. Who cares? Yeah. Mostly importantly is that they don't really find anything and they just kind of go home. And when they get home, they are greeted by, first of all, someone very cruelly has dressed Snowy up in like fucking clothes <laughs> and a blankie. And Tintin is, is like crying. Literally crying. He's go- going, wow. And <laughs> Tintin says, my poor Snowy, who's done this to you? <laughs> Um, and of course, the most exciting thing about this book is the return of a very special friend. Yay, he's here. Abdullah is here again. This is good. This sequence is good. Yeah. Uh, this is just all the most cruel tricks Abdullah has pulled. Like, a couple of pages is just like, you know, keeping, keep, keep doing insane shit at everyone. Uh, truly devilish. Well, I don't know if it's everyone or it's just Haddock. <laughs> mostly Haddock. It's mostly Haddock. Um, there's, of course, like some plot stuff about how Abdullah is here because there's like shit going down in Hamed and uh, his father, whose name I can't remember, has like sent him over to be taken care of by bl- blistering barnacles. Yes. But mostly it's an excuse to have Abdullah torture Haddock for several pages. Yeah, one of the things on the Wikipedia and the critical analysis section is that uh-huh. one of the Tintin experts uh, <laughs> refers to the story as a Tintin family reunion, commenting that it was a story unusually full of the type of people Captain Haddock liked to avoid. God, because yeah, Castafiore is in this as well. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite part is, um, well, first of all, there's like, like Abdullah's not just here by himself. He has like a bunch of minders. There's like yeah. three or four people from the Emir's family. And they've just, like, set up camp in the, like, Haddock's big living room, but they've pushed all the furniture to the side and they've set up, like, a sort of, you know, desert-style tent in the middle of the room with, like, a little cook pot. And it's, like, Hergé is doing an Orientalism here, but it is very funny. (laughs) It's pretty funny. (laughs) There's going to be one more thing towards the end of the book that is racist, but still, like, funny. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, and then the second thing I want to mention here is the Haddock funny bath sequence again. Yeah. Classic. Classic stuff. Uh, he's in the bath and he's got like a, one of the shower heads that he's like, I don't know, washing his fucking feet with. Um, and he's holding the shower head while in the bath and he hears the phone ring and he holds the shower head to his <laughs> ear and it's just this wonderful panel. Yeah, I mean, Haddock, when he's not funny, alcoholism is like his, his, his like general annoyances, very relatable. Um, it's just everything happens to him is the thing <laughs> everything keeps happening to him this must have been this, i think i think this is really just like Ashley growing into a grumpy old man yeah <laughs> it's a really good use of like sound effects around haddock as well with just like yeah. blub, blub, splash, splash splash ring ring drip drip yeah there's another mr cuts the butcher bit uh where like the first phone ring is that and then he goes back into the bath and then it's the thompson it's ringing again and this time it's the thompsons and they heard something about alcazar there's also i think i think my other there's another really good bit on page nine where like so the thompsons are at the door and haddock opens the door with a hose directed at it assuming that it's going to be abdullah he's going to fucking get this little brat um accidentally (laughs) splashes the thompsons full of water very oh he's so sorry i'm so sorry but then there's this like again three panel composition of like abdullah going ha 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 we just cut to haddock looking annoyed and then we cut to a very close-up shot of abdullah's face being sprayed with water Abdullah is just the highlight of everything who shows up like in this in this corner where the thompsons are splashed you already see his head like popping out like devilishly Um, yeah it's very good. Uh, Ergy also keeps doing the funny bit of googly eyes when someone is uh, splashed with water. Every time so. he does it, it's so funny. <laughs> like, every time there's just eyes in the middle of the splash. I hoot and yeah. I holler. Honestly, I think on a, pretty good of Hergé to give us uh, a book where the plot was kind of just nothing and that we can just kind of focus on the funny little details without really yeah. paying attention to it. I like the thanks, Hergé. This is good, actually. 10 out of 10. Thank you. Uh, just... Yeah, I mean, the main complaint is that he didn't put enough bits in it. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of plot to distract I, from I bits. Think, 
I'm really hyping up the Castafiore Emerald, but in my memory, that's a book that is just pure bits, and it's all based <laughs> in Marilyn Spike. Like, it's all the best, you know, the best stuff in this book is, like, when they're in Marilyn Spike Hall, and fucking, like, a page above this where uh, Calculus is coming in on his rollerblades, which is going to become, like, a running bit. Yeah, uh, and, like, there's no reason for it. It doesn't contribute to the plot no. <laughs> in any way. He just has rollerblades sometimes. He just found a new hobby. Yeah. It's no longer, like, dowsing no longer has he he friendship ended with his little pendulum now rollerblades are his best friends <laughs> yeah like so the thompsons tell them some stuff and they also figure out uh, how alcazar is doing arms dealing they 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 find a place that's selling arms so tintin like goes there to infiltrate it he does some metal gear style stealth missions <laughs> yeah um... he's literally hiding behind the thing here where like <laughs> Where he's like crouching down while the old man looks out of the window. It's like the panel of how could I get in without being seen? Perhaps. Oh, ah, yes, I know. And then it's just another funny panel where he just crawls under the window of the security <laughs> guard's booth. Yeah, you can see like the fucking dishonored or like Mark of the Ninja style like uh, yeah. stealth game thing where you like see where the where the like guy looks at and he's like avoiding that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he, then he fails the mission because Abdullah put an alarm clock in his pocket earlier. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Which is very funny. It's like, there's always going to be something that makes Tintin's stealth missions fail. Like, in, in classic books, it used to be, it used to be like he had him having to sneeze. Yeah. Um, now it's someone put a literal alarm clock in his coat. <laughs> Which yeah, when when you play, it's gonna have huge pockets. Like if he didn't, yeah, when you play that. Um, Metal Gear on hard mode, it's when yeah. you have like a little child who continuously pranks you with these kind of things, and you got to deal with that. Um, I've never played a Metal Gear game. I'm sure they're just like that. Um, but yeah, we find out because of overhearing some conversations. Tintin like reads a the newspaper. There's been like a coup d'état in Hamed, and like Abdullah's dad has been superseded by Babel Air. Um. They sort of go back, and he's like, "Oh my God, Haddock! Like we can't just send him home. Like he doesn't have one anymore. Like his family's been disposed, deposed. Oh no!" Um, and I think Haddock is like, "Oh my fucking God, this is terrible!" And then they're both like, "Okay, what if we go to Khmer instead and just leave Abdullah here to get away from him?" Erge <laughs> needs not Erge. Haddock needs to go through the refusal of the call in every book, and it always takes like two panels. Yeah, it's it is very good. I think in particular, I like that um, Haddock is sort of what being like, oh my god, what in the middle of a revolution? We can't go to Khmer, um, and he's sort of trying to be like, ah, oh, we'll, we'll just I'm I'm just gonna stay here while he's lighting a pipe, and then of course the pipe explodes in his face, and the next panel <laughs> is just <laughs> Haddock looking so dejected, covered in suit, just like, okay, I'm coming. Just, yep. Really good, like transition of three panels. Uh, then we get some airplane stuff. Yeah, I don't know exactly what's going on here. I to get be to command. Their passports get refused. They have to go in another plane. That and the plane is gonna blow up. Um, I do like the bit actually where there's a mysterious ticking noise. Um, God, remember Potter Puppet Pals? The there's a mysterious ticking noise in the uh hold, which Snowy has like heard and is spends like two pages trying to get Tintin to come and pay attention to it. Um Tintin like is just keeps getting there's other stuff to deal with, like there's fights on board and stuff. Um because the plane actually has to like land before the bomb can go can go off. And even after the plane lands, Snowy is still like, Tintin, come look at this mysterious ticking noise. Um at which point like everyone is like off the plane uh, and clear of it and as soon as Tintin finally goes to look for the mysterious ticking noise the whole plane blows up and everyone's like holy shit <laughs> this is some pre 9/11 stuff <laughs> honestly the the thing about this plane sequence is that compared to the plane sequence in the last book with the like sticky paper it just just doesn't hold up to that it's like it's not that it's like I feel like nothing in this book is specifically bad. Yeah. It's it, but it, it is all very like involved and complicated in a way that is good, but it just it, he keeps doing it too much. And it's just never as good as it 
like everything in this book, like all the good things in this book are always like just like watered down versions of like good things in previous books. Like I think I think in a lot of ways this book is like if Land of Black God was not good or not as good. Yeah, like, and there's just there's just a lot of it's just a lot of diminishing returns, I think. Like with all yes. the returning villains, it's like fine, but it's it's never as good as like the original story they were part of, right? Yeah, yeah. And like they never really do anything. Like I'm pretty sure like after Alcazar shows up, he's talking to I think one of the villains from fucking Blue Lotus or something. Uh, yeah. And he's just like There's... there in one panel and it d- never goes anywhere or does anything. And likewise, like Alcazar's arms dealing doesn't go anywhere in this book. Um, yeah. Everyone's just here for no reason. He's trying to make his. Because for a long. St- like, it has been like a development, like in the. In this. In these later books to. To him, like building more of a universe, I guess, other than just one of adventures but i think he just does it too much in this one like i don't mind returning villains i don't mind there being like interconnections between the books it's just like pick one or two yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah because like the next fucking sequence is like they have crashed the plane and they go to senora olivera de figueiro's house a character we greatly enjoyed in uh oh yeah in like he was one of the highlights in land of black gold in this yeah, one, like, I still like the character a lot, but he doesn't really get anything to do. It's again, like, has I been like, oh, time for me to pull out another character out of my ass. Um, what's he going to do, though? And then thinking of what he's going to Instead of, like, I don't know, using a character to fill a need in the story, just being like, oh, we're in this location where this character is. Why don't we call in for a visit? Because people will recognize him and Leo point at him. And just a reminder, like this, this, this was the guy because I, I feel like our listeners might not remember who this is. But this was the guy who, like, in Land of Black God, did the incredible bit where he kept entertaining, he kept telling stories about how, uh, about Tintin's poor past as like a, uh, as like an abandoned child. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. Yeah. That's why he doesn't get to do anything funny. Go on. Yeah, he's just. Here. The the one good bit about the sequence though that I do enjoy is Hedrick, uh who is very sleepy. Oh my god, yes. Hedrick keeps like this is a good bit. Hedrick keeps falling asleep. Uh he's like first he's like uh well Oliveira Oliveira has like the excellent wine, so he keeps drinking his wine, but he still keeps falling to falling asleep. And then he's like, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna light a pipe, uh, and that's gonna help me stay awake. And then he starts like dozing off, lighting a pipe, uh until his beard, his beard starts burning, and Tintin has to like spray him with a soda bottle once again, creating uh, the funny googly eyes panel in the middle of the splash. Yeah, <laughs> and I want to shout out like the part because that's the end of the sequence of Haddock falling asleep. But this has been going on for at least four pages. Yeah. Um, and because on the second page, like they're trying to run away from the plane crash. There's some guys looking for them. Um, and like T- Haddock has just fallen asleep and is snoring really loudly and <laughs> Tintin says I always keep a small flask of rum for emergencies now is the time to use it like he just knows how to wrangle Haddock and then there's this great panel of like the pop of the cork and then like Haddock has oh a thought God. bubble coming from his head that says pop <laughs> equals cork gears 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 turning gears turning gears turning bottle of alcohol gears turning gears turning gears turning <laughs> equals whiskey and then wakes up immediately the, like it's what what is incredibly funny about this is that the bottle of alcohol still needs like another step <laughs> yeah. to become whiskey yeah pop equals bottle equals and just uh, like when i say gears turning gears turning is that Hershey has drawn some little gears turning yeah. <laughs> in haddock's little dream sequence mind palace it's very it's good four interlocking uh gears it's uh it's really, it's a very funny visual. I we talked about, but it's been a while since we've had these. Like we yeah. we always love the panels where he puts like images inside the thought bubbles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some more ones later on with like yeah. Snowy and a cheetah. Yeah, Snowy talks again in this book. I feel like I feel like he hasn't like yeah said things in a while. Um, but yeah, there's a whole bit where uh, Hinton and Haddock are funny dressed up as funny Muslim women, funny covered up. Yeah. Um. But there's some bits of like 
there's like this panel of like this other woman like pulling Haddock's face covering off to reveal him and I'm just like I I, I don't feel like she would do that I think she would just leave um. <laughs> yeah I don't know yeah and then Haddock goes off on her and then they keep like she alerts like guards that start like following them which is like I don't know, had it it just going off on this Muslim woman, I don't love, but it leads to the very funny uh, sequence of panels where Haddock is trying to stay on the horse. Yeah, yeah, Um, because yeah, they're running away from the city town as fast as they can, and just five perfect shots of Haddock in differing positions on a horse. (laughs) Um, This horse horse looks so funny. It just, just the horse's face! His face is so funny. I don't know what MJ is doing here. It's like art. He's doing his best. Yeah, yeah. It's like his this this horse is just like along for the ride. Like, yeah, doesn't try to shake off headache, but also doesn't really try to like slow down or anything. Yeah. He's just like interesting things happening on me right now. I'm just gonna keep going. <laughs> yeah. Then they end up in fucking. Uh, Petra or whatever mm-hmm. Andrew, pseudo Petra Tintin Herja universe version of Petra yeah um, where there's like a city inside sculpted inside a cliff wall thingy because uh, yeah fucking uh, Abdullah's dad is here I think um, at which point we cut back to Marlon's bike briefly to see Abdullah torturing Nestor and pushing Calculus around in a funny sp- spinning spiral on his roller skates. It's a it's a good panel, this one. It's very um, good. The spinny thing, incredible stuff. I very just think well drawn. The image of like as we said, like we don't really know why Calculus put up or like got this new hobby. But just like the image of this like elderly like professor man on rollerblades is so funny. Yeah. It's just such a good visual. And just like early earlier, first time he appeared, like he just couldn't really stand upright. He was falling over constantly, and this time he's constantly going in circles, spinning. And I feel like he'll get the hang of it by the end of the book. Yeah, I mean, this is gonna this is gonna keep happening. Like, I think I think he's gonna Calculus is gonna have his rollerblades for the rest of the series. So oh fuck yeah! Excited to see the development. Just this this panel of like. Where they meet the they meet the Emir and it does the same thing that they did in a lot in Land of Black Gold where he's like, Oh poor little lamb, how sad he must be so far from his papa and then it cuts to just the most evil looking image of him and he's like because yeah. like sometimes his pranks are like, I'm gonna put an alarm clock in Tintin's coat, which is like, okay, that's yeah, a practical that's job. Funny. And this one he's like doing torture to Nesta. <laughs> Like, he's doing pretend torture, but, like, it's still torture. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we we cut back to Tintin and Haddock and the Emir, and they're, I know, they're talking about, like, the plot. There's a faction called Arab Air. I, I don't know who they are. I don't I care about the plot. I only care. care about Snowy and this, uh, what animal is this? Uh, cheetah? Cheetah, yes. He's I a was, cheetah. I always, I always, Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so important, important. Okay, let's set up the stakes of this encounter here. There was a cheetah. The cheetah is large and growly. However, the cheetah has a dish. In the dish, there is a bone. Snowy sees the bone. Snowy now has a choice to make. Yeah, so we have two little panels where <laughs> so Snowy good. has a speech bubble that has a bone in it, and Snowy is smiling. And Licking right his below lips. it, another tiny panel that has the growling cheetah face, and Snowy does like the scared expression. Yeah. And then the plot keeps good. on, the exposition keeps on going, and it's just intercut by these panels, right? There's two more two more panels of like exposition, big speech bubbles, uh, a lot of plot explanation that I don't care about. And there's like there's another little panel intercut where Snowy is still scared, but now two big speech bubbles come out on both sides and the bone is still like the bone is still in one of them, but the other one just has like the teeth of this cheetah. Like it's just zoomed in. Very big, sharp pointy teeth of the cheetah. Um, and then, of course, in wonderful sort of background storytelling style, we do not see anything happen. We just then see Snowy with the bone and a big groil from the next panel. So proud. Um, and then the sort of resolution to this is the cheetah, of course, 
Chase is snowy. Cheetah has, I think, been, like, chained to the wall and, like, rips itself free of the wall, but then on the end of his chain is just a big chunk of wall. Um, and as the cheetah, like, chases Snowy, clearly much faster than Snowy, it's a cheetah, uh, pounces on Snowy, Snowy is fucking dead, but then the lump of wall that was attached to the chain around its neck falls on its own head, um, and it is led away, bruised and battered, and when it is being led away, bruised and battered, <laughs> this is the best panel in this entire book. <laughs> The problematically drawn servant of uh, of the emir is leading the cheetah away, and the cheetah is looking like so beaten down, and it has the speech bubble of snowy triumphant, like just snowy doing DreamWorks eyebrows. <laughs> oh my god, he is! <laughs> and just like doing doing the little fist, you know, when you beat up the, someone, um, like the fucking. Uh... Rosie the Riveter style, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cocking your your arm up and like looking at your muscles, kind yeah. of expression. Yeah. How else do we find out that someone's doing slavery? Yep. We learn um, about the slavery, and clearly the. Just about slavery. Um. Did you know that it's? The Amir doesn't care about that much, but Tintin and uh, Haddock are both like, "What the fuck, slavery? That seems bad." Yeah. Shouldn't be legal. Shouldn't be legal. Someone should outlaw that. It is literally illegal. <laughs> they talk about the Gorgonzola too. Oh yes, um, he does. And maybe this is why they've heard the name De Gorgonzola. I think so. Yeah, they learn here about the Gorgonzola, and at the end, it turns out it was Rastapopoulos all along. Wow. Um. But yeah, like so, they've got to get to Mecca for some reason, which I'm pretty sure you can't do that. Like, if you're not Muslim, is it? Aren't you like not allowed to go to Mecca? Like, what? I'm not sure. Is this allowed? Are you allowed to go to Mecca? In Mecca, only Muslims are allowed, where non-Muslims may not enter or pass through. Attempting to enter Mecca as a non-Muslim can result in penalties such as a fine. Being in Mecca as a non-Muslim can result in deportation. So, it doesn't seem to be legal. I... Listen, maybe they just... uh, The Amir didn't know about this. uh, Sure, fucking... Yeah, um, but anyway, they're attention to Haddock, so they're going to go do that um, because of to stop the slavery, I think. I don't know. They're on a boat now. Um, the boat gets attacked by a plane and fucking sinks, and they've got to build themselves a little raft to do the pose on the cover of the book of yeah. uh, Hergé, the Red Sea Sharks, Adventures of Tintin. Um Though the most important thing about this sequence is after they build the raft, um, they also had shot down the plane, and the pilot of the plane is is floating in the sea, and they rescue this man. A great new, great memorable new character, Scoot. This, this the fact that he's from guy. he's from Estonia. Estonia. He's is Estonian. <laughs> this is uh, fans of the Janusz podcasting universe. Uh, will take note that this is the second prominent Estonian character showing up uh, after uh, Linkovich Link Chomovsky from Encino Man. I just, yeah, every single time I like, I took a little picture and I text my Estonian flatmate and I say, hey, this guy's from Estonia. <laughs> it's, and like, she just texts me back like a frowny, horror, horrified face. You got, you got to show her Encino Man. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I've already, I have informed her about Encino Man. And again, she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> to be fair, in Encino Man, it was an asshole that he, they came up with as Sonia, so the inaccuracy might be intentional. Yeah. Okay, I'm genuinely not sure if Hergé changed the name of Estonia to Estonia, or if it's just a weird, like, vintage translation Maybe. spelling error. Maybe. We didn't even talk about this, speaking of the translation inaccuracies. Uh mm. The beginning of the book, book where they meet Alcazar, he suddenly has the stereotypical Spanish accent, which he didn't have before. Like it feels like the translators oh, yeah. just didn't talk to each other or like didn't remember what the established lore about his Although, accent was. He also, I just because he doesn't because whenever they talk to him, he also like clearly does not want to be yeah 
like met by them does not want to talk like he's got arms dealing to do so like he's just like really saying saying speaking in very like stilted halting sentences because he doesn't like he's just trying to leave so i wasn't i wasn't quite sure if i was like is this like a weird like haha funny foreigner speaking or is it just him being really awkward like it was kind of both at the same time which just makes it seem really bad yeah i was wondering that uh, but then again, he was like recognizing them, so like I don't, because like I could get him putting up an act by putting yeah. on an accent with someone else, but like with people who know him, it's like I don't know. Yeah. No he, point. He does say in mucho hurry and stuff. Yeah. Um, again, no idea how this is in the French. Like I, it is possible that this is the translators not mm. knowing if they should give him an accent or not. But yeah. Yeah. Or maybe he does it on purpose. Who knows? Who, Who cares? Knows? Uh, there's a there's a boat there. See, well, there's this guy named Scoot, right? Scoot. A uh, very memorable character. Uh, it is kind of funny. Um, where like Haddock is like, oh, uh, Scoot. So your name's Scoot, eh? Uh, why? Well, don't let it bother you. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's very sure. offensive, but it's pretty funny. I gotta <laughs> hand it to them. Um, but yeah, they're on the raft and like they see a boat and then we cut over to the boat. Um, uh, boat party. Boat. Yeah, this is the boat. There's, there's just like a costume party on the boat. <laughs> it's just rich people things, I guess. Yeah, and obviously because it's written in like the fifties or whatever, everyone's like costume is just like a funny racist costume. Yeah. Um, like you know, there's someone in like a kimono. There's someone in like a pharaoh outfit all yeah. that stuff um yeah there's you know how it used to be it's yeah it's what cos- costume parties used to be before anime or costume parties was uh <laughs> just dressing up as nationalities yeah yeah um and, and ethnicities i guess yeah anime ended all that no more yeah. orientalism since anime <laughs> happened uh <laughs> But yeah, the, there's there's like a guy in what I can only describe as like a kind of Satan suit. I don't, yeah. I don't. It's like you know, Tudory period clothing, but it's all red and with a weird headpiece, and he just looks like a funny Satan. Yeah, it's um, like Mephisto from like an old time if I was staging. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's I don't know the guy who owns the suit, the suit, the ship. Fuck. Um, and and this guy, I feel like this guy. Is supposed to be a returning villain, but I have no idea. So is this guy Rastapopoulos in disguise? No. Oh, because wait, I isn't this guy is Mr. Gorgonzola? No, this is a marquee. What? Okay. Listen, I was kind of skimming through it because I didn't have the energy <laughs> at this point. Um, but yeah, the fancy party boat like spots the raft and then very deliberately is like, we're not going to pick them up. Um, but then no, they. Do you end up picking them up? Maybe it is Rastapopoulos. I don't know. Because um, I was looking at the Wikipedia and uh, it says it's they're p- picked up by Digor Gonzalez. Yeah, so maybe it's supposed to be Digor Gonzalez. I don't know. Because they don't yeah. call him by name. But also, um, this guy in the Satan suit says like, oh no, Like if we're picking them up, they, they, they must not see me. So, you know, one assumes that this is because Tintin and Haddock would recognize this man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, um, Bianca Castafiore is here. She's dressed in sort of like Victorian type skirt clothing stuff with flowers all about her. Very pretty. Very nice. Good for her. Yeah, she's just not not in it enough. I do wanna. I do wanna focus in on for a second that um, whenever she meets Haddock, first of all, she keeps calling him Paddock and then Herrick. Yeah. Um, very good. And Haddock responds with rock and, rock and roll, Signora <laughs> Castaroli. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. I don't know what this means. <laughs> I. I can well, only. The secret, the hidden meaning behind rock and roll. My, I just, my question is he trying to flirt with her? <laughs> is he, like, into her? Is he trying to be charming and suave and simply failing? Cause then when they're when they're being led away, he like looks back with like this huge grin on his face. Yeah, I just all I can think of is that he has a little bit of a crush on her. I think he might. Um, which sort of 
does be another explanation for why every time he sees her, he's like, oh my god, hide. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if this will sort of be elaborated on in Castafiore Emerald um, or confirmed. I don't think it's ever gonna... I, I, I know it's never gonna become explicit, but I think uh-huh. we're, we're gonna have to look out for the clues, because uh, if it's true, it's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the... So actually, Castafiore, like, told them that it was the Marquis de Gorgonzola's boat... Um, and apparently that like means something to Tintin, um, but yeah, never mind. Oh yeah, it says Marquis de Gorgonzola, so yeah, I just didn't put together that Marquis and Gorgonzola are the same thing. Uh-huh. Um, also, a... I guess his, I guess his, his disguise is successful because I'm. I don't know if they like see him though. Uh, I didn't put together that his, uh, that his Rastapopoulos in disguise. Yeah, like fucking. I wasn't paying enough attention. There is a very funny panel of... I'm sorry about this episode. Yeah, Tintin... There's a funny panel of Tintin getting woken up where he just has the, like, sexual-style half-witted eyes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And Snowy does as well. Um, So they're woken up because, like, there's, like, another boat that has come and, hey, another Tintin villain arrives. Alan is here to kidnap them and put them on another boat. Yeah, before that, there is this little panel of Rastapopoulos looking out of the window, and I I guess just didn't put together that it's the same guy. Yeah. He's just... I'm feeling very dumb right because now. Because the guy in the devil outfit looks kind of skinny. Yeah, looks skinnier. And, I guess like, Rastapopoulos looks pretty large. Yeah. It's the beard, and it's also Rastapopoulos is always wearing the monocle, and in yeah. the disguise is wearing uh, sunglasses. Um, like, yeah, because usually Hersha does like a pretty good job of making sure you know that the disguised people yeah. are the same people. Um, but and it's also because it's only like one little tiny panel that's fairly easy to sort of miss if you are, I know, tired and kind of want to just kind of get through it. And then he doesn't show up for like another loads of pages, so it's kind of easy to be like, oh, another person has arrived. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there's so many villains in this book, it's just yeah, hard to hard to keep track of it. Yeah. I had to be like, this guy's is too good, because like that's the point of yeah. this guy's. Like the, the only connection is like the big nose, yeah, which like fucking a like of, a lot of people have big noses. Exactly, like forty percent of Tintin villains have big noses. <laughs> Um, some many claim it's the anti-Semitism, but who who could who can say? No, if you have a Greek name, goes. you can't be. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they get kidnapped by Alan and transferred to another boat. Um, there's like a bit where Alan is like offering Haddock like a bottle of wine whiskey, which actually I guess does call back to whenever we first met Haddock and Alan was yeah. his first mate, who was like doping him. Yeah. Uh, with whiskey. So yeah, Alan is working for De Gorgonzola, like doing slavery or some shit. Um, and he like leaves Haddock in the room with a bottle of whiskey, and it's like, well, don't, why don't you drink it? And then there's a sort of like sequence of Haddock, and then there are two wonderful drawings of Haddock here: one as an <laughs> angel, one as a devil, uh, trying to get him to either drink or not drink the whiskey. This is the first time this has been a moral dilemma for him in a while. Yeah, yeah. I guess because because Ellen reminded him of like his dark days. But it has, yeah, the, the angel is telling him not to drink, the devil is telling him go on just a little sip, and then the ship like leans over, the whiskey bottle crashes, and the angel is uh, grinning, and the devil walks away. The angel looks so self-satisfied, and the devil is just like so bad about this. It's really good. I also want to talk about the other funny bit, where... Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing Ellen tells him before locking him like in his cabin is uh, you have pen- plenty of time to solve one important question. Do you sleep with your beard under or over the sheet? <laughs> oh, yeah. For like two pages, he's like pulling the bed sheet under his beard. No, that's not good. Over his beard. No, not that way either. Yeah. <laughs> till finally, <laughs> until he finally figures out that he just needs to sleep on his side and then it's not a problem. Yeah. Um, and it's like there's the the bit of over or under and then there's the whole bit in the middle about the 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 whiskey and the temptation of haddock and then after the bit finishes he goes back to questioning the over or under the yeah. question. This is very uh, relatable to me as someone who uh one just like always keeps like tossing and turning at night um trying to figure out the right sleeping position and you know a lot of the time the the position that you usually sleep in is suddenly like incredibly uncomfortable. 
yeah. And also, like, as a mustache sporting person, uh, it's always like, uh, you know, sometimes just like lying on my belly, uh, trying to sleep, uh, and the like. I feel like the mustache is like always a little bit in the way. <laughs> so I can relate to uh, to this dilemma. So everyone, everyone never had a beard in my knowledge. So I don't know if he had like a bearded friend who yeah uh, who taught him about this because this feels like this feels like a real thing. Yeah, yeah. So do you sleep with your mustache under or over the bedsheets? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, now now that's gonna keep me up all night. So. <laughs> Yeah, so basically they hear some ruckus in the middle of the night. Um, everyone leaves the ship. Um, and then there's like a shot of like everyone on the, on the lifeboat away from the ship saying, come on boys, row hard, she's going to blow up any minute. And then of course we cut back to um, the ship. Um, there's like some screaming from the inside of the hold of the ship. Haha, <laughs> don't worry about it, I'm sure it's fine. Um, and then, you know, Tintin and Haddock manage to put the fire out on the ship so it actually doesn't blow up. And then it's just kind of funny, like, all the guys, like, in the lifeboat are like, oh no, it didn't blow up. We're just, we're stuck in a lifeboat now. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. And, yeah, then we have to deal with the problem of all the uh, people in the bowels of the ship. Um, the problem being, of course, Hershey's racism. Um yeah yeah it is like it is weird because it's like if i if i think correctly like negroes was the polite way to refer to like yeah. black people in the 50s and 60s um Pro- yeah, but it I is still so. kind of jarring to read <laughs> and they yeah yeah there's just they get all these people out from the hold who clearly obviously like attack haddock because every white person they've seen in the last however many time has been horrible um and then it's just sort of like this is sort of like a comedy routine where they refuse to understand that they shouldn't go to mecca um, yeah i don't know because i don't it's know weird. it's just like ah funny stupid african haha yeah like it's very um like as we said, it's about like actually reading in the news that slavery is still real, and he's like, "Oh, f- that's so fucked up," uh, which he's right about that. But then the way he portrays them is still like very infantilizing. Yeah, infantilizing is the word. Yeah. So um, not great. He is again riding the dual horses of racism and anti-racism yeah. at the same time in the same direction. How has he done this? Well. Read the Red Sea Sharks to find out. <laughs> yeah, then then we have a slave trader show up. Uh, we we'll find out about the coke thing that that's code for slaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the black people rescues Haddock from being stabbed. Yeah, this guy clearly knows some kind of like self defense yeah. kung fu kind of. <laughs> and yeah, they. It's ve- okay. It's very funny that they like kick the slave trader guy off their ship, and then Haddock starts like yelling at him, you know, <laughs> doing the Haddock thing. And then Tintin is like, "It's no good, Captain. He's too far away now." And then Haddock runs to go get a megaphone so that he can continue to shout after this guy. Yeah, very funny panel where he's just like shouting at this ship that is like really tiny in the distance. I do like one of the things that he shouts is jellied eel. <laughs> Body Snatcher, Ostrogoth, Vandal. Oh, how does this end? Like, it kind of ends Fucking... Here. Yeah, I don't know, the In whole climax bit. is so weird. It is or, like, really weird. weird. It's, like, hard to follow, but they they do some shit. Uh, they argue Scoot, more... Scoot is still here, by the way. Like, he's working the radio. I'm glad that Scoot has a job. Yeah. I'm <laughs> um, happy for him. <laughs> Scoot is just... <laughs> He's just there. Heather clearly put, like, some choices in making him, like, a memorable character design with, like, his eye patch and, like... Did you again refer to Hershey as Haddock? I am I'm, I'm, I'm loving this Did I do that? I think I said the other way around that I had a... I, I referred to Haddock as Hershey earlier. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think Hershey... Or Haddock is such an Hershey stand-in a lot of the times that yeah. they've and become the same man in my mind. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've done this before on, like, previous episodes, but, like... It wasn't like it didn't really matter. Like we all knew you yeah. were talking about, <laughs> but like I just I love this conflation because again, like he does seem like a bit of a Hershey stand-in. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, Erge is also very famously, like, tall. Like, we've seen that in images. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Just, like, w- what am I annoyed about this week? I'm gonna put this in my comic, like, through the lens of Haddock. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's a submarine now that they gotta deal with. There's a submarine, it's, like, firing torpedoes at them. They gotta deal with this. Mm-hmm. Haddock gets flying fish in his head, or in his face. So that's great. He also has a fight with the like signaling thingy in his ship and like beats it to death. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. That's a uh... <laughs> spoilers for Disco Elysium. It reminds me of the of the bit very early in the game where like you're really low on health and uh you can you get the you get the like choice to kick a uh mailbox and if you do you die immediately. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> This is so good. Um, Hedek yeah, is very they... much a uh, Harry Dubois Disco Elysium character is, uh, in many ways. <laughs> I need to play Disco Elysium still. You know, relevantly to the narrative, Estonian game. Sorry, Estonian yeah. game. <laughs> True. But yeah, they like beat the submarine. Um, there's like a... <laughs> okay, it is... Okay, this is pretty funny. <laughs> there's like a panel at the bottom of page 57 where... Haddock and Tintin and Scoot and Snowy are like celebrating because they've been saved and there's just like you can see through like a sort of window ledge thing like all the like black passengers who got rescued are just kind of like looking at them going what the fuck <laughs> and they're saying that is white man's folk dance. This This made me laugh out loud and that's the that's the bit that I referred to earlier where it's like still it's still like not unproblematic right but it's just it's, it's a, just good a bit. funny joke. It's a pretty good bit. Um <laughs> Uh, who cares? They blow up a shark because uh, they're one of the guys, one of the bad guys, is trying to attach a bomb to the oh, yeah. boat. Uh, but the anchor hits him in the head, so shark swallows the thing, and we we see later that the shark like explodes further away in the sea, uh, adding to the list of animal cruelty that Erge does explicitly to sharks. Explicitly to sharks, yeah. Come on, man. He's got a... And this is before Jaws came out. <laughs> Jaws was inspired by Hergé's yeah. cruelty towards sharks. Yeah, like, I know, they kind of get rescued a bit after that, I guess. Um, the the rumor come out that slavery is real and still exists, and they're doing it in the... Is it in, I guess it's in the Red Sea, because that's the title of the book. Yeah. There's there's one point earlier where like one of the bad guys said there are sharks there, there are sea sharks in, in the Red Sea or something like that there are sharks in the Red Sea, um, yeah. I guess they just didn't want to call it coke on board in English. <laughs> I couldn't uh, imagine why. Yeah. Uh, so that's the that's the book. It that's the book. Oh wait, no, comes, there's one more there's, tinted there's a, villain. There's a final, who shows oh, up. Which one? Uh, which is of course Jolly on Wag. Oh yeah, <laughs> who appears on the very last page of the book to cause botherations? Yeah, it's a bit just earlier, because the news comes out of the thing, right? Uh, who cares how they figured it out? Uh, and then there's a there's there's some funny Marlin Spike bits um, at the end, which uh, I once again enjoy. We see that uh, uh, first of all, we see that Calculus has now <laughs> built himself. Uh, what are these? Motor roller skates. Motor roller skates. They're like big sci-fi shoes on his uh, on his legs. It's yeah. It's a very good design. He he boot, he boots too good for he got done feet. Mm-hmm. And then Nestor shows up and he is he looks horrible. He oh my god he's like withered away to nothing. He's like you know in I don't know if he's... it's in Clash of Kings or Storm of Swords but like after the Blackwater. Uh-huh. Uh, after Stannis loses the Blackwater, there's a there's a Davos chapter where uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's the first one in Storm of Swords where Davos sees him again, and there's a Davos chapter where he describes how st- how like since Stannis lost the Blackwater, he's he looks like a skeleton of a man. Uh, that's that's yeah. exactly what Nestor looks like here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, and then Jolene Mag shows up, and that's it. Except like. Nestor's Blackwater was Abdullah. <laughs> Abdullah was Nestor's Blackwater. Uh, oh. And then, yeah, Wack shows up and he has his whole... Oh, yeah, he's organizing a rally in front of Marlin Spike. The Vagabond Car Club rally is here at Marlin Spike. 
and yeah, there's just the final panel is just all these different cars have gathered. Um, oh my god, I just noticed that like the Thompson twins have been like pressured into being like car servicemen. Like they're there pushing a car. Oh my god, so yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, there's some there's some Wes Wardo shit in this final panel, but it's yeah. once again just not as good as the one in the last book. Yeah. <laughs> This is like the main thing about this book, right? Like, I mean, even the racism isn't as racist as it is it, in other books. Like, everything is like things from other books, but less. Yeah, it's just like you know, the bad like, things are less bad. The good things are less good. If he and by he, I kind of mean the general sort of comics of that era. If they didn't just, if they just could draw black people normal, <laughs> yeah. it would just make it a lot better yep um but yeah they they can't so um it just kind of puts a stinky lens on it even if it's like not actually that racist even though okay they were they were incredibly infantilized this was very racist yeah i was gonna say like it's not just the way he's drawing them which i think even the way he's drawing them is like marginally less fully offensive than it was in the in the early books but still like very offensive yes yeah, so he's gone from like a hundred percent to like 90 percent yeah um and the characterization of them is also like again not quite as bad as i assume it was in tintin in congo but oh god yeah <laughs> um yeah do we want to rate this one <sighs> it's like a two out of five i don't know it's not yeah i think I was it's gonna, like, when I read it, I was like, it's a perfectly average one, but it's just so flavorless. Yeah, I, and I think that's five. worse. Like it's, it's not like a one out of five, but like, yeah. Yeah, yeah like stuff like, stuff like fucking, uh, the, blah, the shooting style, right? Where it was the very bad anti-Semitism, but at the same time, some like very, uh, you know, bits yeah, that really bits. stuck with you, right? Like yeah. this is out of in in a series that is this is a series that I said this a few episodes ago. It is a series where the highs are so high and the lows are so low. So it's like jarring to have a book that is neither. Yeah. Um, I would put it above. I would give it a two out of five. Put it above, maybe above cigars of the sparrow and under crab with golden claws. Again, like I think hmm, this is this is tough because Crab with the Golden Claws had the very bad racism in it. I I, I can't I'm gonna be like, real I, I cannot remember. There was really bad like anti like uh, brown people or Arabian people racism in it. Okay, I I will believe you on that. I have no memory. And it was it had some like really unpleasant bits about Haddock's uh, alcoholism. So I think I would put it right above Crab with the Golden Claws, okay. but below King Otokar's scepter. Okay, yeah, yeah. Cool. Job done. Um, in a tight sub one hour, probably. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, sorry if this was like an episode where we didn't care enough about the book. I, it's Erge's fault. Give us a better book. Yeah, come on, Erge. I come know on, you know Erge. how to write a good book. I, what have I we got? am eating my cereal. He will never write a good book again. <laughs> As I am looking at what the next one is going to be, which is Tintin in Tibet? In Tibet. Um, uh, we're gonna have another guest for that one, and I think we're, we're dropping hints about this one. But uh, this actually, I'm excited about this new guest because it means that we will have like a the sort of like Exodia style collected yeah. <laughs> all the members of one podcast, and that we're gonna win <laughs> podcasting. This is this has never been done before. All of the yeah, we're gonna we're gonna uh, complete a collection, and if you've yeah. paid attention to early episodes. You might have a pretty good guess who is going who it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Gonna be really honest. I just need to go to the toilet right now, so right. let's end the podcast. <laughs> well, until next time. Sorry for a bit of a low energy one. I'll take the high road. And I'll take the low. Bye. Road to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs>
down through the mist there. Toward the Seven Sisters. Toward those pale cliffs there. I would often stay there. In that tiny yard there. I have been so glad here. Looking forward to the past here. But now... You are all alone. None of this matters. Now, none of this matters. At all.